Hey, friends and fam, it's John. It's time for the JMart cast. Today, I have a guest, a member of the Toronto Bitcoin community named John Tellis. John, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate you willing to spare your time. Thanks. Thanks, John. Happy to be here. Excellent. So I, as I already explained a little bit before we started recording, I wanted to ask you to come on to give a little bit of a background on who you are and what's your life story leading up to now and what are the, some of the key things that happened in your life that helped you be a type of person who can see Bitcoin for the idea that it is. Uh, yeah, so the first question would be just to set it up because uh, I would, I'm not exactly sure where you were planning on starting, but yeah, I'd like to know kind of like uh, where were you born and uh, maybe how many siblings you had, how many, um, like where and uh, what kind of a family unit you had, maybe a quick description of that. Yeah, sure. So uh, my parents are immigrants. Um, they lived in East Africa and came here in the, I believe in the 70s. Um, I have two sisters um, and I was born and raised in Durham region. Um, cool. my, my dad is an accountant. Uh, my grandfather was an accountant and I too chose to become an accountant. Um, my sisters did not. Um, being an immigrant family, scarcity, and lack was a big focal point. You know, um, many people who come here from another country, my parents in particular, you know, always teach you the value of a dollar, you know, and appreciating what you have. So mm-hmm. that really helped form my worldview. Um, also the importance of the family unit, you know, and being respectful to your mother and father. I, my family is very religious. So it taught me a lot about morality. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that always held me back um, was my family's lack of willingness to take take risks. Um, mm-hmm. I believe you know safety was paramount, and so if you had money, you saved that money for a rainy day. You deferred spending mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for a future point. Um, if there's something mm-hmm. with an uncertain return, like a marketable security, a stock, for instance, that mm-hmm. was something maybe to be- put a very low a low allocation to. Mm-hmm. Um, so accounting was an obvious choice for me because it's a very conservative profession, you know, like risk yeah. averse and so forth with upside, but controlled upside. So mm-hmm. it's, it definitely jived with my personality. And so, um, after I finished my elementary school and high school out here in Durham region, um, I went to Wilfrid Laurie university for accounting with, uh, some of my classmates and mm-hmm. I became a chartered accountant. Um, I only ever worked at accounting firms. Um, and eventually I made it all the way to partner. Um, at one of the largest firms in Canada. So that's where I, 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 I guess, was the pinnacle of my career. But what cool. I would normally have just been on that career path, you know, because once you are a partner, the only difference between you and your early career and, and your later career is, you know, the body of experience, you know, and your income goes up and you can change a little bit of what you do. But, but generally speaking, like, it's just building, building a practice from that point. But mm-hmm. um, what jarred me and brought me to Bitcoin um, I had heard of it back in 2017. Um, one of my friends who had a little bit more time on his hands had explored it. So I, I, I had heard him talking about how he wanted to own one. And, um, but it wasn't that that caught my eye. It was my wife who came home one day and said, hey, have you heard of this thing called Bitcoin? And I said, yeah, I have. And, and she said, you, know, you should look into it. I've, I've noticed you know, a lot of people talking about it. It's, it's going up in value really quickly. Um, wow, that's the best wife it. ever. Congratulations, man. Exactly. <laughs> So fortunately, I uh, I didn't listen to her. I did what almost everyone does with Bitcoin when you first hear about it. You Google it. You give it mm-hmm. maybe a cursory glance. You look at like a, a series of articles if, if you're lucky, mm-hmm. and then you dismiss it completely 
mm-hmm. you know, because it's outside of your realm of understanding and, and being an accountant and being a subject matter expert and, and someone that people depend on. It's just like, there's mm-hmm. enough stuff inside of my head that this tiny little piece, this insignificant thing that's just outside my realm of understanding that, you know, almost mm-hmm. no one knows anything about is not worthy of my time. So I set it aside. Um, mm-hmm. And went on with my life. And um, after I heard that it had crashed, and I thought, oh, I dodged a bullet there, you know. But uh, fast forward to 2020, and the pandemic hit. And um, that's when my world kind of imploded. You know, my kids were at home and um, being homeschooled. My wife, um, she was at home from work and unable to uh, to, to, to work because her office was uh, was closed. And I, too, was at home. And I had meticulously studied investing um, aside from work over the past maybe 14, 13 years of my career and then spent about 10,000 hours, you know, just figuring out what the best investment would be. And I, I went everywhere from dividend stocks to index funds and, and um, software as a service and so forth. But I had a really good portfolio built up. Mm-hmm. And thought Do you mind that if I inter- interject for a second? Yeah, of course. Yes. How, how, how are you... Uh... How are you spending those? How are you teaching yourself? Like, can you give me some specific ideas? Like, were there books, uh, courses? Sure. What, what were the things that you were doing to really sure. get yourself uh, deep in that investing, understanding investments? Sure. So I, most of my clients were high net worth families, you know, like like eight, nine figure mm-hmm. families. And nice. um, honestly, I, I wanted, I aspired to be like them, not so much to have the same degree of wealth, but mm-hmm. to have the same freedom in their lives to do, do what they did. And a lot of them had really amazing yeah. stories, you know, where, you know, like the immigrants came to Canada, like my parents, but maybe they bought an apartment building and then that led to another. And then before you know it, they had 20, um, or mm-hmm. maybe they built up a business, you know, in some other field and took a chance. I thought, you know, being an accountant, a conservative investor, it's like, I'm not going to leave it all behind to, you know, risk it all. And in the way that they did, like they kind of did because their backs were against the wall. I thought I would do it myself using my expertise so mm-hmm. what I did is I, you know, I, I think I read a hundred plus books, you know, about investing in my free time. Um, I used all of my investing in, or all of my tax and accounting skills to, to build spreadsheets, to track my progress. I can tell you where every penny I spent from 2007 until 2022 went every wow. single penny, you know, and it's just like, it was a passion for me. It was a way to prove that I could, I could mm-hmm. do what they did, but do it my way. So it mm-hmm. was that. Um, the books, it was, it was the, the study of the spreadsheets. I also scoured. Book you'd recommend. I know like probably there's some Bitcoin books we can re- recommend over those at this point, but just, just for that investment world, is there anything that like was the, you would say. Is, the one, uh, the one that really changed the game was your money or your life. You know, that's the first time I started to look beyond the spreadsheet and start to ask myself, how much time I was spending to value myself, not so much to value the portfolio. So I lived in Durham region and I commuted to Toronto. And mm-hmm. um, one question I used to ask is like, you know, can I, can I work from home a little bit more? You know, I'm, I'm driving in, I'm just sitting at a computer. Can I do, oh, I, I work from home, but being an accountant, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. you, know, you gotta be there. You know, it's like in the office environment, it wasn't something that was common. Although I did, I was able to do it later in my career when, when he had children. But um, that was one book that just opened my mind to consider the possibility that the, reason I wasn't getting to my financial goal, despite how much work I was putting in and despite like all the different approaches I took is because I wasn't thinking outside of the box. Mm-hmm. So 
as I was going to say, you know, I scoured the internet and I found the financial independence, retire, uh, early retirement crowd, you know, um, fire, yeah. fire, early mm-hmm. retirement screen, but it resonated with me because of the lack perspective and scarcity perspective I had coming from immigrant parents, but it Absolutely. didn't resonate with me as an aspirational accountant, someone who had worked so hard to achieve what I did. Mm-hmm. There was a, there was something missing. And I didn't know what it was, and I was very busy. And so I just put it in the back of my mind. And over time, it just became routine to update my spreadsheets every month. But like months became years, and years became over a decade. And then the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And that's when I had to take another hard look because all those investments I painstakingly structured over years and years just mm-hmm. all of a sudden just cut in half days. Mm-hmm. And I thought that these are some of the biggest and best companies in the world. You know, like there's no answer to why this happened in those other than like the human psychology. So mm-hmm. I'd been through crashes before. And what I did at first was just wait, just wait. Yeah. Wait for the but, water to settle, the mud yeah. to clear. Wait for it to settle. But then, then I started, uh, I started to look at some investments that were recovering back then in 2020 and, um, going through some of those forums, I, I, I saw Bitcoin again. And I thought oh, I'd heard about Bitcoin back then, you know, and I decided to, this time I decided to click a podcast rather than reading an article or, you know, Googling it. Mm-hmm. And um, I went a little bit deeper that way. And then one thing led to another. And before you know it, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time focused on Bitcoin. You know, what, I, what was that first podcast, if you don't mind me asking that you clicked first, on? I don't know if it was the first one I watched, but it was the first one that really resonated with me. It was uh, Raul Paul interviewing Michael Saylor. Uh-huh. Um, Is that the one where like Michael Saylor kind of schools him into like saying <laughs> that these are securities, like the other crypto stuff? That's the second one. Oh, okay. Second. Okay. okay. Um, the first one was one where he had purchased some back in August of 2020 um, and issued a press release um, explaining what it was, but did not do the podcast with him until later. I think it might've been September, October of that year. I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. I was already digging into it at that point. Cause I was intrigued because mm-hmm. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not really being managing my risk exposure. If all of my investments are tanking and I'm not considering the ones that are climbing. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, at that point I had started to move a lot of my investments over to software as a service. I was in the pro- process of doing that and also moving them to the big tech firms. Um, I actually went to university when RIM was, was rising, you know, got the chance to see, uh, the CFO, Dennis Cavillman, who was a CA as well. And some of my roommates saw, um, um, falsely and, and Lazaridis, the two co-CEOs talk, but I didn't ever invest in them, you know, mm-hmm. because I, as an accountant being risk averse, like you're trained to look backwards and, and to invest in things that have worked. So I invested in the best companies of the last, you know, 50 or hundred years and they did, did well until they didn't. So once I started going down the rabbit hole, I, I noticed uh, uh, synchronicity between what people said about Bitcoin and what Sailor said about it in that, you know, it does require you to just think a little bit outside of your comfort zone, but I never had a reason to. I was very fortunate. Like I didn't have the same immigrant mm-hmm. stories. I was very successful. I bought everything I wanted to buy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like intellectually, I was always challenged. I worked more than I wanted to, but I could push back because when I was a partner, I could, you know, just make less, you know, and work mm-hmm. less. And my kids are older, I could, I could do the reverse. But it really bothered me on a personal level that I had spent all this time to build up something only for it to be stripped away. Mm-hmm. So I thought, I'm missing something. And that's when I went down the rabbit hole. And I just, I decided, you know, just being at my wits end with 
all of these things, these challenges in my life with the kids and my wife and, and uh, the fear and the pandemic, I just took nearly all of my portfolio and I just put it all on Bitcoin. All on Bitcoin. Crazy. I figured, you know. Amazing. Yeah. I said, what's the worst that happens here? It's just like, I'm stuck working at home. You know, it's mm -hmm. just like, I've got this great career, you know, mm -hmm. um, like I'm miserable. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, I thought it would be fun. Let me ask you this. How, mm -hmm. how deep into the rabbit hole, like how good was your understanding of like, how many different subjects did you go deep into before you made this decision to put all your money on Bitcoin? Like, uh, wh where were you in your like level of understanding where like, were you thinking of Bitcoin as this, uh, as an investment, you're thinking of Bitcoin as a savings technology, where were you and your mindset for when you finally made that yep. decision, all the chips in? I had made partner that year. So I had a locked in account that I couldn't touch until I was 55 a lira as you, you might know in Canada, we call it. Um, mm -hmm. So I basically was just a Hail Mary. I thought like after I was able to, after I was promoted, I um, became a business owner, not an employee. So I thought I'll just throw this money in Bitcoin and then I'll study Bitcoin. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. Cause <laughs> it, but to me, the money was immaterial. It's like my portfolio outside of it was much larger. So it was mm -hmm. small. Oh, okay. Okay. What it was might've been 10% or something. So almost like you would take a flyer on some, some unknown tech stock, hoping that you get a 10 X one day. Mm -hmm. Little did I know that like that one mm. move, all of a sudden it was equal to almost to the rest of the portfolio. And I thought, well, not a lot of time passed. And then I just put the rest in after that. Okay. But but the time frame from which I took the Hail Mary from when I put the rest in, I don't know how much time it spent, maybe a hundred hours or so absorbing podcasts. And I have a mm -hmm. kind of an obsessive compulsive uh, personality and I'm trained to, to look for risk. Mm -hmm. So I first looked at it as an investment. Right. But if I stopped there, I wouldn't have put anything more. Okay. Um, and then when I went a little bit further and thought of it as a technology, that's where like it really caught my eye because mm -hmm. what bothered me prior to Bitcoin was watching, you know, Apple, Google, Facebook, Amazon all fly despite the metrics that they showed for years, particularly with Amazon when it was, you know, dropping by 80%, then climbing, losing money perpetually, all the articles explaining why it can't work until one day it did. <laughs> you know, it's like in one quote that sailor said uh, that really spoke to me, he said, you know, new technology is indistinguishable from magic. Absolutely. And I really believe that because as smart as I was, I could, I couldn't see it because to me, it was, to me, it was magical until it wasn't until I was holding it in the palm of my hand. Um, mm -hmm. But to have the conviction to put everything down, you got to really believe that the technology is viable. Mm -hmm. and I, I wouldn't have ever considered myself a technology investor. So what I did is I just, in almost all my free time, like day and night, now that I'm at home, I'm just mm -hmm. not doing anything with the kids or anything else. I was just absorbing mm -hmm. podcasts and a hundred hours became a thousand hours. A thousand hours mm -hmm. became, I don't even know, 3000 maybe over mm -hmm. the past years where I, I bought every book I could buy on Bitcoin. I read every article. Uh, I went on Twitter and followed all of the influences I told all my mm -hmm. friends, I told all of my family, mm -hmm. no one believed me. And <laughs> I knew I was onto something because I couldn't convince most people to even buy a dollar. And then I thought to myself, maybe my Lira was immaterial to me, but mm -hmm. I know that a dollar is immaterial to most people. So if they're not buying a dollar after me going on long diatribes such as this and 
explaining, you know, like the beneficialness of maybe taking a Hail Mary, they wouldn't buy a dollar. They wouldn't buy the idea. So mm-hmm. it wasn't the investment case that was holding them back. It was the idea they couldn't grasp. And I thought that's more conducive to a technology. That's more conducive to magic just outside of your head. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. So that I went down that road and then all of a sudden, very fortunately, like the, the financial targets I'd set for myself, you know, I always wanted to retire in my thirties but I wasn't quite there. It's like, you can probably relate with young kids. It's like the hedonistic mm-hmm. treadmill, you know, it's like, kids <laughs> got bigger. They needed a, you know, a little bit nicer bike, you know, we needed a little bit bigger car, you know, um, nicer trips and so on. And I realized it's like, the nut like keeps growing. <laughs> it never stops. And, and I could have done it and I would have lived the life of Mr. Money Mustache in which like our expenses are fixed. But it's like our lifestyle inflation keeps going, not because of finance. It's just because we want to expand as my kids grow. It's like, I don't want to teach them to just stand still. Philosophically, it seemed seemed wrong to me. So I was going, I resigned myself to just keep working and just figure out a way to have work-life balance. Um, But the money grew so, so fast, you know, and and it was so large that I thought, you know, it wasn't even maybe a year later, um, a lot of the drama with like the pandemic started to hit uh, my firm. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, you always want to be able to have, you know, the FU money <laughs> you know, to do what you want, but I didn't think I would have it for much longer. And I enjoyed what I did. And I got a lot of, a lot of pride from what I did. And I really enjoyed working with clients, the challenges that they brought every day. But I thought, would I work if I didn't have to work? And so at that point, I was probably well, well into the thousands of hours studying Bitcoin. So I moved past the, past the technology and now I'm in the philosophical mm-hmm. space. So I'm reading Gigi, uh, mm-hmm. Strolight, some of the meetups and very inspired yeah. by him. Um, Amazing. Yeah. And I thought I've got the money now. And I thought, so I quit, quit. I'd worked nearly, I'd worked my entire career, you know, to get to that point, And I thought I don't have to do it anymore. And it's just like, I could resolve some of these political differences that we have regarding the pandemic. But I thought, no, I'm just going to go do what I want. And the last year, year and a half, you know, 2020 to 2021 were, were uh, sorry, 2022, I would say, is were challenging. So I, I thought I owed it to my children if I ever had the money, not necessarily to buy them things, but to buy time. Time. Yeah, man, that's what money is time, right? That's why we, we try to make money. <laughs> Correct. More, more so, time. And I thought I can buy the time and I can have it maybe when I'm 50 and lots of time and more money, or I can leave now and maybe not have quite enough to last forever. But I was able to buy the entire last year just to be off with my kids. And all of the, the, the challenges I faced during the pandemic, they were facing too, but they're much younger and more impressionable. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's my wife and we just mm-hmm. worked through all of those challenges because I didn't have the stresses of work and I could have never done it without Bitcoin. Fortunately, that time off coincided with a big drop of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But I still had other investments, you know, mm-hmm. I still had income um, mm-hmm. from them because I didn't put everything on. So I just, just used that. I thought, you know, I, I thought I would do this when I retired. I thought, well, I'm going to do it now. And, and I retired in my thirties and I, I took that year to do it because like, to me, the philosophy of making that trade-off, I thought, what's the, 
It's an asymmetrical bet. You know, Bitcoin's the asymmetrical bet. Like I should have taken a flyer back in 2017 when my wife told me to. I did in 2020, but like that wasn't going to change my life because the price was too high. Didn't buy it mm -hmm. was $100. You know, I wish that I did, but I bought it low enough that the asymmetrical bet bought me a year. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. And that's an amazing story. I love that you shared that with me. <laughs> yeah. And um, <clears throat> what's it been like to have all this extra time with family? Is it as fulfilling as you'd imagined? Changed my life. Changed my life. It's been more meaningful to me than anything I've ever done. I worked so hard to be a C. I worked so hard to be a partner, to overcome challenges, you know? Um, I didn't have every attribute that one needed to succeed, but it's just, I just refused to quit. I refused mm -hmm. to quit. And, and that brought me to that point. But I thought, what now? It's like the what now, like money never motivated me. Although it like, I was an mm -hmm. accountant, it was my job and I, I love my spreadsheets. It's just, that was the first time I didn't even care that the price was going down mm -hmm. because of what I was like, the energy I was, I was earning with my mm -hmm. children, with my, with my wife. It was, it was so precious to me. I never even knew what I was missing because I'd wake up, you know, kiss my kids on the head, drive to work, you know, come home, maybe have dinner with them, maybe not take them to an activity watch a show mm -hmm. and go to bed. And my life was just on that loop, you know, like mm -hmm. honestly, um, my accounting prof always made us watch that uh, in, 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 um, in high school before he we went into accounting, maybe to warn us, but um, you blink and your life is over. So I found a lot of value in things I didn't consider. So I thought this asymmetrical bet was totally worth it. Even if I'm kind of right back where I started in terms of my portfolio, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I got that freedom. But what changed now is that, you know, had a lot of offers to go back, you know, and to go back and to make, to make more money, you know, maybe because since the pandemic has, has, has been upon us, it's like, it's changed the game in terms of office workers. Um, mm -hmm. People don't necessarily want to go back to the same job that they had, nor for the same pay. And there's now there's a shortage. Um, meanwhile, we have all of this great technology out there that we are averse to use. You know, accountants are very old school. It's a very old profession, but um, right. That technology had been in place maybe eight years, nine years to do things virtually, but until there was a need, um, it wasn't embraced. So yeah. until there was a need for me to embrace, you know, the asymmetrical bet, I didn't, but I thought Bitcoin changed the way I think about everything. You know, I questioned some of the relationships I had with family and I ended them. I had questioned relationship with friends and I ended them, colleagues and mm -hmm. I ended them with my own mm -hmm. house and I did that. And I thought if I go back to the same job, it's like I'm, I'm looking backwards once again. So mm -hmm. what I did instead is I thought of a better way to do the job that I once did using technology and realizing mm -hmm. that most accountants, you know, are so busy with like the next deadline or like the client emails or the phone calls, the pressure, mm -hmm. they don't have time to think about that. And, and the best move I ever did was think outside the box and invest in, you know, a digital asset like Bitcoin and mm -hmm. invest in scalable software. So what I'm doing now is launching a business with a friend of mine who we reconnected last year to do that very thing. So not just to come back, you know, and, and be like, oh, well, I made this money and it's great. You know, maybe I'm only going to work part time for you. I thought, why don't I come back and do what I did and prove mm -hmm. to my children that it wasn't a waste, you know, That's... for all those years. I didn't think outside the box. I took what I knew, acknowledged the mistake that I made, took the new pieces of information I learned from thinking outside the box and make it into something more lucrative. You know, Tim Ferriss talked about the four-hour work week. It's like, yeah. hey, good money doing that. 
But I think he made more money from just that idea. You know, the idea that things can be done more efficiently. And that requires you to reach into the future, into the abstract. You mm-hmm. know, because people thought he was crazy, just like they thought Mr. Money Mustache was crazy. He probably makes a million dollars a year now from his blog. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just by, you know, doing what he wanted to do and having the guts to be first. So Absolutely. That's, that's my agenda for 2023 is, is launch, building that business, which, which we've been doing and launching it. And just testing it to see if, you know, we can be that disruptive technological force in the accounting world to apply what I learned. That's amazing. So Bitcoin lit an entrepreneurial entrepreneurial fire in your chest. Yeah. And I, even, uh, you know, when you said, come on this podcast, I want to do a podcast. It's like, what, what inspires someone to make a podcast talk about something? It's like an investment. Sure. But there's lots of them. It's like, there's always just been something more to Bitcoin. And I think for me, it's like, it makes you realize that there's something more to you. You know, it's like, it's almost a reflection of like all the things that you could be mm-hmm. um, that you aren't because you're not questioning it. I noticed mm-hmm. the same thing in all the Bitcoiners. They all have an origin story. Like I said, that it, it just means more than, oh, I bought it at a low price and sold it at a high one. It's just like, that's not the no, story. I'm not never selling. <laughs> exactly. It's just. It means so much more. In the philosophical perspective, I feel like I've barely scratched the surface. Mm -hmm. But when I see, you know, Michael Saylor, a guy who's a billionaire and spends his free time, you know, evangelizing something, he doesn't have to do it. It's like he's risking his reputation, perhaps, if it goes down. And I Mm -hmm. appreciate that it takes time for these cycles to, to flesh out before, you know, it's obvious to most people. Just like the same thing happened with the Google, Apple, Facebook and reading his book, The Mobile Mm -hmm. Way, he invested in them early. You know, he put 50 million and turned it into 500 million, you know, but he could have stopped there. It's probably worth, they're probably worth far more than that today. But he thought, no, the next thing that's there is more important than any of those. So at least so he believes and he goes out there. Hope. Yeah. It's hope.com. Yeah. And he's selling hope. And some people might say, well, you're crossing the line. You know, it's like, it's, you're shilling something and like time will tell if that's true or not. But I, I don't believe that. You know, it's like you could have made that argument um, about some of those tech companies. You know, it's like when people are saying like, Apple's, yeah, it's like Apple's going to be the most, the biggest company in the world. It's just like, it's going to be the most powerful. And it was, you know, mm-hmm. and it is. So I, I wouldn't say that you should do what I did. Not everyone is in the same financial position mm-hmm. um, as I was, you know, and it fluctuates rapidly, but to not buy a dollar of it, to not look at a podcast, think about it a little bit more. To me, you're just missing the next phase of like that wave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think that idea of it being an asymmetric bet and that you've got nothing to lose and you're at more risk at not looking into it, that's a good idea. If you want to be a little bit more philosophical, I do like to push the idea of the separation of money and state. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important idea. It's mm-hmm. a deep idea and one that like is never going to die. Not that it's out there. Mm-hmm. You, you can't kill an idea, right? You can kill the man, but you can't kill an idea. And this, this is the idea that I think is going to help uh, push humanity forward. If we're, if mm-hmm. we're going to get like into, into Bitcoin philosophy. We had a lot of success with separating church and state. I think that overall <laughs> was a benefit for humanity. 
just for yeah. everyday Joe Schmo from, uh, yeah, from them to the, whatever, the top leaders. Um, and I think the same can be said that will be true of when we separate money from state. I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, I never would have thought that the structure of our world, you know, was one that was not optimal. Obviously I'm not, I'm not, um, in denial about the fact that there's a lot of fraud and misappropriation of assets and things that of nature that goes with anything that involves yeah. like the, a human hand. But yeah, I believe so can I ask you a couple of questions actually regarding that. Sure. Um, so like, as you were like learning about investments and things like that, yeah. when, when did you come across like central banking and the fed and the idea of where money comes from? Like where in your, like, cause I only got into that after Bitcoin. I had no idea what, what any of that was, where money came from at all. I just never even like, sometimes I would think about it, but it'd be like yeah. too lazy to Google it or whatever, or maybe Google yeah. didn't exist yet. Like yeah. when did you come across this idea where money comes from and central banks in general? I did have a traditional business school education. So, you know, I took the obligatory courses on, on economics and, and business uh, theory and so forth. So I learned the fundamentals there of what, you know, mm -hmm. a classically trained business person would know. Mm -hmm. I did not go so far down the rabbit hole as to contemplate how money is actually printed and the technicalities of it. I did that once I found Bitcoin. But the flaw that I found that the Bitcoiners saw is, is human error. Um, you know, when, when, when people talk about like, like Bitcoin as it's, it's a commodity versus a security, it's important because it's like it has the it doesn't have the characteristics of a security. But if it did, it's subject to all the laws of you know, the SEC in the um, in the United States. Um, it's different in Canada, but it's like those laws are in place so that people can't manipulate it. You know, therefore, like a centralized authority can 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 alter it in some way that would benefit themselves and their friends. You know, uh, the. Federal Reserve is kind of like that too. It's like it's got a lot of these laws in place, and but it is a centralized authority, and it is manipulated, and that's one thing that annoyed me about the about what happened during the pandemic. It's like you're trying to uh, put in measures, you know, to keep people safe or, or whatever the tagline was of the day, but mm -hmm. money was hand in hand with that, you yeah. know, and, <laughs> and, and like almost like a blank check. And like working in an accounting firm, it's like trying to stay abreast of these changes. They're like, oh no, just give the money out now. We'll figure it out later. To me, it was never more obvious that the, the human hand there is just like was doing more harm than good. Um, I don't envy the position that the politicians were in. I would not want to be it in myself. And I don't know that they were they knew that when they were elected that they'd ever face something so challenging. But money and state were connected so much as that you, we needed to have people managing this for us. It's like, I just want to live my life in peace and do my day job and provide for my family like anyone else. We have to trust people to do that. You know, that's mm -hmm. the system that we were all raised in. I mm -hmm. never considered, like many, that that whole system could be replaced by technology. Mm -hmm. you know? So church and state, it's like, are separate, yes. And, and, and so you're free to explore whichever spiritual, spiritual um, um, path, let's say. Path, yeah, I'll say that you, that you prefer. It's like it's not going to impede your, 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 um, your, I guess, your ability to earn money in the system. But it's like try doing that, not using dollars and, and using like this internet money that people are actually using for gambling or for other purposes, maybe the black, the, the black market to buy things. Try doing that mm -hmm. just legitimately. It, you know, a lot of people just think like, no, we need the we need the state. We need some people who are elected to, to keep it running smoothly. But I thought, you know, it's not running smoothly. 
And there are a lot of things I used to do that I thought were running smoothly, like my job, for instance, where I'd run around with a piece of paper, you know, so that people could initial it, you know, and then we could get a, a financial statement, or an audited financial statement out the door. And all of a sudden you could use, you, you could use DocuSign, for instance, you know, mm -hmm. but, but the ramifications of having a technology that could incentivize everyone to um, act in fairness to one another mm -hmm. without that centralized authority. Um, in theory, that would be a better system if it, if it could be embraced by the population. And what it would do is not have that trusted in intermediary between mm -hmm. like you and me, if I'm transferring you something so we can deal mm -hmm. with with each other more freely than in that, in that system. Um, yeah. It's an inconvenience. Well, there's many benefits. That's that's one benefit. I mean, another one is that like the people in control continue to inflate the supply and never cap it. It's possible, but Bitcoin's design makes that possible, based on my study of it. Yeah, yeah, no. So I, I'm talking about central banks, right? Like you're yeah. saying, switching over to uh, a Bitcoin system. One of the you mentioned one of the benefits, and I said that's there are many more. Right. The other one is that you can't inflate the supply, which is what happens with the current fiat world absolutely. right absolutely like like i don't know why i never thought about this any more deeply than i did till like in my mid-30s but like yeah like yeah. paper money can be infinitely increased in supply there's nothing stopping it <laughs> i don't think most of us had to think about it i think <laughs> being in canada we were very lucky you know there's a lot of social support here for for for, for mm -hmm. those who who you know, struggle. And, um, for those who aspire to do a lot with their lives, you know, that there's like a lot of incentives for you to succeed. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, when you start to look at the price of your groceries, the last two or three years, and it's inflating far beyond what your paycheck is. Meanwhile, there are some so-called risky assets that fluctuate in value, but largely keep up with that. Mm -hmm. You have to start asking yourself some difficult questions. It's like, cause mm -hmm. I, I, I was fortunate, but I, I looked at what I was earning and how much it was increasing. And I thought my spending power is actually going down. Mm -hmm. How is it going down? You know, it's like, it's like, yeah, well, I have more money, but somehow I have less effectively. <laughs> correct. So I thought it was a function of savings. I got to save more. It's just like, but being a saver, so you were punished. Absolutely. You're getting a very small interest rate on your, on your uh, savings, but the inflation rate is far higher. And then I, I started to look back as, as I, I am apt to do it at like how the increase in money supply was correlated to the increase in the stock market. And if you go back almost since the early days of the 1900s and records, there are a little spotty than they are now, but it's like, it's almost completely correlated to it. It's like an 8% mm -hmm. increase in the money supply every year. And it's lumpy. It's just as the average seems to be the same, but all of a sudden you see a 30, 40% spike in 2020. And fortunately I saw that same greater spike, you know, in, in, in Bitcoin, but most people didn't, most people mm -hmm. didn't see that spike. It's like, they don't have savings, you know, they don't have investments. They, they have a big mortgage on their house. You know, their paychecks only went up by 2%. So their money, it's just like, just buys them less. And I looked at it and I thought, well, that's not, that's not fair. You know, that's, that doesn't make any sense, you know? And it's like, I see the need for something to be fixed, whether it's Bitcoin or maybe the centralized authorities just embrace a more egalitarian system. But it's like, I think it's going to take another shock before most people wake up to that fact. Um, mm -hmm. It certainly shocked me to my core. Mm -hmm. but it may be like the egg crisis in the U.S. right now. I don't know how much a carton of eggs costs, but we don't somehow don't really <laughs> Canada. or we can't get cough syrup for kids in Canada. But you came in, you can in the states. Mm -hmm. um, I lost my train of thought, but um, I am optimistic 
that technology has changed our world so much mm -hmm. and changed our life lives as we know it um, that something like a Bitcoin, even if it isn't Bitcoin itself, even if it is the idea of Bitcoin, how it forces you to think differently about everything, mm -hmm. people start asking some difficult questions about what transpired the last two, three years and propose a better solution because I can't see this sustaining itself for much longer. Um, mm -hmm. And it scares me to think of what the implications might be. Most people don't know what, you know, a deficit is. You know, they don't understand the connection of government spending to like the services that they have. They don't know what a pension crisis is if there's not enough to pay people. But these things can and do happen, largely in the yes. private sector. But like eliminating the debt ceiling like they did recently or proposing that they do that is not a solution. You know, the solution isn't to take on more debt. Um, yeah, well, it's political theater. <laughs> it is. But imagine if there was something, you know, a technology that could pro propose a solution um, I don't know many practical people if they had, if they took the time to study it mm -hmm. back something like that, I think it would be in their best interest. And I know not a lot of Bitcoiners agree with that. They say, you know, it's like, it, we have to destroy the governments. We have to destroy the central banks and, <laughs> that. but well, I think, do. I think the idea is that Bitcoin will make them less powerful. They will still exist. I think there's no way you can't have uh government mm -hmm. there, they, but, but their, their, their relevance will be much less than the, what it is now due to the fact that they are no longer in control of the most important thing <laughs> that centralizes <Yeah>. power. <laughs> yeah. And money does corrupt, you know, Charlie Munger once said, you know, show me the, show me the incentive and I'll show the outcome. It's like, if all of a sudden there's less of an incentive, you know, to just print, you know, and paper over your mistakes and to actually instead to deal with them, I think that our society would be run better. You know, it's like, no one is telling me that like, I should transact with others fairly. I, I just know to do that, you know, in, in, in Bitcoin, because if I don't, you know, it's like, I'll, I'll lose something, you know, it's like, it's like, I have that personal responsibility. Um, but in the political spectrum where, you know, every four years, a new person is elected, it's like, they don't really have the same long range planning. Um, no, I not at all. They were partially owned by a Japanese uh, company and, um, I started to look into the ways that the Japanese do business and they actually make plans for a hundred years, 150 years. Really? You know, like, yeah, it's like, so your, your entire career, it's like, you might not see the total arc from the budgeting phase until like the, you know, the hundredth year and where it is. But it's like, you just trust that whatever your role is during your life or your career, that maybe 40, 50 years that you did the best that you could and then pass it on to the next person. Yeah. You no, know, it's like the low versus high time preference perspective that a lot of Bitcoiners have. And like, I can mm -hmm. get behind that, but uh, not everyone can. Like it, yeah. And do you think partially it's because it's like we're set up to not want that kind of almost in a malicious way? Do you see that a little bit? I can only speak for myself, John, but like I was complacent. I took a lot of things for granted. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't go through the same struggle that my parents did to leave everything and come here with nothing. Mm -hmm. um, but it hit me. Even something like the pandemic, it's like it hit me and forced myself to ask some very difficult questions. Yeah. Um, it's hard to see what's happening, you know, in those areas of the world when you only see them through the lens of your computer or your, you know, your iPhone. Um, do do you have cable news? Sorry to interject again. Do you watch cable news? Do you watch even? 
news. No. No. Where do you get? How do you get uh, news? What's your way main way of uh, consuming uh, news? I used to read the National Post, the Globe and Mail, um, like the you know Toronto papers, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of my uh, knowledge of the news was limited to you know the business section and how it affected mm-hmm. my clients. Um, mm-hmm. Like obviously, I checked the weather and things like that, but I never really got too involved in the, the politics of it. I didn't think it mattered too much who was in charge so much as the incentives were similar across the different parties. But um, I found that I, I was getting a lot better news through um, social media during the pandemic. Yeah, and absolutely. I wasn't super active on social media, but Twitter in particular, you know, I'm looking at some of the, some of the perspectives that people had and it's profound. It's like, I always connected like, like being a professional, like someone who's a professional journalist being like the authority Mm-hmm. You know, well-researched, you know, proper education and, um, and pedigree and so forth. But I found there'd be a random pleb, you know, who says something so profound that like the, the, um, the reporter might be unable to say, or maybe unwilling to say, I don't know which. Right. And exactly. so that's where, when I was looking for questions about Bitcoin, if I, if I listened to the, you know, the, all the major newspapers, it would say, don't do it. And I'm so yeah. glad I did, but it was through conversations with people like yourself you know, that exactly. I met people that I, I reached out to people online. Like I, I messaged their, them, some well-known people and, and just said, can, you know, I'm looking for some help. Can you point me in the right direction? People help me. So mm-hmm. that's why I can only speak to my own, my own personal journey through that. But I, I learned the most through, um, through social media and um, connections with actual people than I did from reading the um, you know, yeah. bricks and mortar news stations. Yeah. Same here. And yeah, I would say from a personal perspective, I would, if I'm being honest with myself, I'm, I was very complacent too. <laughs> Part of it was, if I were to give myself one excuse, is for a long time, I was just living kind of paycheck to paycheck. So I didn't really have money to save or invest anyway. <laughs> so it was like, not really that important, but definitely I uh, could have uh, definitely done a better job of questioning my uh, status quo and like if what I'm seeing on the news is really like the perspective that is objective or if, if it's actually just uh, a perspective that's being given to me to to yeah. adopt without uh, you know questioning <laughs> trust what's between my ears a lot more than what I read but I still can't say for sure and maybe I'll never be able to whether or not what I hear is true or false you know I just Make sure that like my internal compass, like the actions I take um, are the same as the thoughts that I have, you know, and that like try not to harm any other people. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think that you can get just lost in the political divide that seems to consume like most of the world these days and has for the last three years in particular. But I don't think it's constructive to do that. I, Mm -hmm. I really believe that technology is apolitical. Um, and mm-hmm. if you can get behind an idea that helps everyone, regardless of what side you're on, that is something that should be embraced. Um, but in my experience, that's a very tough sell. As I said, it's like you can't sell a dollar of that to people until they have a reason to, until they're shaken out of that complacent state that they're in. Agreed. Um, but every little bit helps, you know, asking people questions like, what made you mm-hmm. drop what you're doing and go into Bitcoin? You know, what made you leave your job and go, go work uh, in a mission, you know, on the other side of the world. It's like, what made you change, shake your life up when you didn't have to? 
you know, mm -hmm. and if you have credible people who can, who can pave the way and have their actions speak louder than words, that's what incentivized me to do it. You know, yeah. I wouldn't be able to do it if I didn't hear a personal story from someone else who did the same. So I just try to pay that forward. And hopefully there are enough of us mm -hmm. in all the different fields, even the non-Bitcoiners. People have some something that's bigger than themselves, just outside the realm of understanding that they pursue that can change everyone. It's like you just need, I don't mm -hmm. know what the percentage is, maybe 10% of the population to shift. Mm -hmm. The rest will follow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I mean, it's, it's such a, it is an infectious idea, <laughs> I feel like, but I think in one of the podcasts I heard Sailor talk, there's a speed at which ideas spread mm -hmm. and there's almost like, like a cap at that speed. There's a rate, <laughs> there's a limit to the rate at which you can convert people. So we just got to keep spreading the word and talk to people. And like you said, ask questions, answer them, share stories, but, uh, also be patient in waiting for people to go through their personal transformations where they have that aha moment. Exactly. Right? Everyone's got that one aha moment where they're like, why am I not more <laughs> like learning yeah. about this more? Why, why have been, I, why have I been wasting all this time? It happens. <laughs> it does. You got to embrace know. it when, when that thought comes in. Yeah. And on, I think most people will, it's like, they may not even realize that they own Bitcoin. It might just be an allocation as part of their portfolio one day. Maybe they're even their retirement plan if they don't have their own savings. It's, but embracing ideas that are outside of your realm of understanding is not easy, no matter what the ideas are, because the answer is usually in front of the mirror. It's like you've got to question your assumptions, you know, and, and ask those difficult questions to get to, uh, you know, a place of more questions and more questions. Mm -hmm. Like. The longer I spend in Bitcoin, the less I feel I know. And it got to a point where I couldn't let it consume my life. I had a valuable skill set. I thought the best thing I can do for Bitcoin is to take what I know and go be successful. And if anyone yeah. asks me, why did you do this? You know, my son wants to be an entrepreneur one day. And I thought, what's the best way to teach him to be an entrepreneur? Work for someone else, you know, work for a big company or start my own company. And I thought that's, that's how I explain Bitcoin to my son because he doesn't want to hear it. <laughs> I'll let the block clock. He doesn't care. You know, <laughs> podcast off when we're in the car on a long drive. But I thought that's how I teach him. It's important. Yeah. You know, and and it's just through my my own behavior, improving my own behavior, and mm -hmm. might make less money today than I did, you know, a year ago. But I'm mm -hmm. a better person, mm -hmm. and I only aspired to be one because others others did as well. And as you say, you know, Bitcoin it is it's kind of like a virus. You know, mm -hmm. like new ideas and they mm -hmm. spread at the speed by which people absorb it into their bodies. And maybe mm -hmm. it will take longer for some, but the polarizing perspective that the Bitcoiners had, I think, can convince a certain contingent of people, but it's not going to convince everyone. So there's a whole mm -hmm. other group of people like Sailor is cheerful and constructive and, mm -hmm. speak, you know, the smart, if not the smartest person I've ever heard, one of the smartest um, and, a, and a strong contrarian as well, because you do need guts. Mm -hmm. but, I don't know that I can do what he does. I don't know that I can do what you do, but I can do what I do, which is yeah. to just my, have my actions speak louder than words. And maybe some of the people I told yeah, man. years ago, they'll buy a dollar one day. They'll buy the idea. That's good enough for me. You know, you're, yeah. you're on the path. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love, I love that. Yeah. It's uh, uh, for, for myself kind of in a parallel, uh, I'm a personal trainer and, uh, uh, I, I love weight training. I love martial arts. 
Mm-hmm. And I, ha- I have a son and I want him to love all those things that I, that I do too, right? I want mm-hmm. him to be like a big, strong, macho guy, just like, <laughs> mm-hmm. just like me. But I know I can't force that on him. So I know that the best that I can do is just be that, keep training, keep getting stronger, keep uh, getting a, a higher efficiency at doing martial arts. And by setting that example, like he's, I know he's, he's going to fall in love with it because he'll see how successful and confident I am. So in that, in that same way, I love what you said about how pursuing this entrepreneurial idea is how you're teaching your son about Bitcoin. It's beautiful. Thank you. You can can tell your son to be strong. He may or may not listen, Mm -hmm. but if you show him that you are strong, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, that's a very different thing. You know, just like my son, like, how do I get first place, dad? You know, it's, uh, how do I succeed at stuff? It's like, like, believe me, I spent years telling him, telling him, telling him, telling him, didn't listen. It's just like, but then once I actually, you know, took first place myself in my own life, you know, inspired by, um, by my, my wife doing the same thing, all of a sudden he, you know, he got his black belt in Taekwondo. Oh, that's amazing. I don't even have my black belt in Taekwondo. I don't even know how to do Taekwondo. How did you learn? How did you do that? I took him there. Could have taken years, but it's the same thing. It's just like, instead of telling him, I did it. And it was like a light bulb. It's like, like how quickly he figured it out. And then everything changed, you know? And all of a sudden he started doing better in school. He's better behaved. He was nice to do sister and his parents. Yeah. I'm sure Um, your presence, your extra presence is helping that a lot, you know? (laughs) It's helped it, but you know what? Same as you. It's like, I didn't necessarily do it for him. I did it for me so that mm-hmm. I could be the best person mm-hmm. that he would aspire. He would look up to one day. It's like, I want his hero to be me mm-hmm. um, and what I achieve so that he himself can achieve the highest um, goals for himself. Yeah. And I'm sure if you can sustain, you know, that lifestyle of a personal trainer, even with the sleepless nights of having young kids and the pressures of, of your day-to-day job and all the other stresses, in anyone's normal life, it's like, he'll know that he can do that too, because you Mm -hmm. showed him the way, Mm -hmm. or you could leave him like a piece of paper that he reads. (laughs) This is your workout. (laughs) Yeah. And young kids think it's, it's funny. It's like, it's like if he ever stumbles upon your podcast one day, Mm -hmm. I'd say, well, that's a, that's another way to get through to a kid. Like I thought that podcast, what am I going to learn from a podcast? I I barely even listened to them before Bitcoin and now I'm Mm -hmm. thousands of hours in. And yeah. I think to myself, what did I learn in those textbooks at university? Yeah. <laughs> I've just watched podcasts and absorbed it that way. I didn't know that at the time, but it's just like, you might be doing that for him. Maybe he'll be have that podcast one day where he talks about something other than personal training. Mm-hmm. So funny how life works like that. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's all powered by technology. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that was a beautiful way to end this thing, man. Thank you so much. That was a, a really fun conversation. That was a great story as everything I wanted this podcast to be. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, John. And uh, I'm inspired by what you do and uh, keep up the great work. (laughs) Thanks, man. That's very kind of you.